in and through their lives. I mean that. Thank you. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. Amen? And you wouldn't either. Some of you wouldn't be born again. Some of your families wouldn't be serving the Lord if it wasn't for Grace Family Worship Center. So it's an awesome day. Pastor, thank you. I'm honored to be here, as always I am. And um, and so I am the last. Uh, I told him back in the, uh, the ready room back there, I said, uh, I'm the pinch hitter. I'm here to mop up, you know. So I may get out. But I'm going to get out where somebody else can make it home. <laughs> okay, so, so if I flop it, it's just to let somebody else shine. Is that all right? And, uh, and really, I feel I, I, I have a message that is uh, from the Lord, and I feel it's for this moment. But I have a couple of things that I want to say before I preach my message, okay? So don't start my time clock yet. I'll tell you when to start my time clock. And, uh, and I, I really just, I want to I wanna just... Um, speak uh, out of my heart for this house, out of my heart for your pastors. And, uh, and I'm not the voice of authority. Your pastors are the voice of the authority in this house. When I come in, I am under their authority. Does everybody understand that? So, so, so anything I speak is subject to what God has said to them. So I believe it's just something for them to pray about and, and for God to speak into their heart before I preach my message. I really feel like, I feel like the, 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 I don't know if you showed the video or not, but the number 20 in the Bible, it's a spiritual number, and it means the end of a complete and perfect waiting period. And I believe that, that God has been waiting and, and that you've been waiting and that God has tested and proven, and we see that throughout the Scripture where God tested his people, proved his people, prepared his people. But the number 20 means that period now comes to an end, and today the waiting is over. Come on, look at somebody and say the waiting. The reason God planted this thing 20 years ago, it, it has not been for the last 20 years. It's for the next 20 years. Amen? So I want you to grab hold of that. And, and, and there's going to come some change. I really, I really sense, and I, I say this because, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be back here many times. And so, you know, I'm not flying in and flying out and dropping a bomb. But I believe the Spirit of God spoke, spoke to me that there's a regional move of, of God coming to this area. It's not just coming to Grace Family Worship Center, but there's a regional move of God. It's going to be extraordinary. It's going to be extravagant. It's not going to be those who people would expect to be. It's going to be people that would be least likely expected. It, it would be the one person in your family that you think will never come to Christ is, is about to come to Christ. When I say about, I'm not meaning next Sunday or it may be next Sunday, but I'm telling you you're entering an extravagant move of God. It's not mystical. It's not because you're so holy or so righteous. It is because God has found a people and the leaders of a people that have come into unity with one another and realizing that the body of Christ is not competing with one another but we are to complete one another and God has found that in a group in this region and because of that he commands this he said he said it is where I find unity and harmony that I command my blessing and that commanded blessing is coming on this region and because this house is a part of it this house is going to be a part of an extreme extravagant move of God. So you need to prepare yourself and be ready for the unexpected is going to be 
happening. Amen. And in that, I want to just say a couple of things, uh, a couple of things that we need to get over. The body of Christ needs to get over. The body of Christ needs to get over women in ministry. It's all in the Bible. Even in the Old Testament, there was a judge called by God whose name was Deborah. We need to get over this controversy. It's dividing the body of Christ, and it's not good for the body of Christ. And the New Testament is filled with Jesus lifting women up. The first person he ever chose to tell of his resurrection was not a man, but it was a woman. There was a couple in the Bible, Aquila and Priscilla. Every time you read it in your Bible, it says Aquila and Priscilla. But that's because King James ordered that Bible to be written in 1611. And he was a male chauvinist. And so he told the writers, because in the original language, it says Priscilla and Aquila. The reason that's important is because in Greek, in the Bible, when the Spirit of God was given his word... Whoever's name came first had more authority and was set the precedent on. And King James knew that when when the interpreters were telling him. He said, we can't have that. We can't have prominence given to a woman. So he said, I want you to change it and put Aquila's name first every time. And the church is in bondage today because of a king, not a prophet, a priest or a preacher, but a king that didn't want to upset his kingdom and give prominence to women. Jesus gives prominence to women. And I want to say this, and I say this under the authority of your pastors, but I believe today God has given you an Aquila and a Priscilla, a Priscilla and Aquila, and that he is laying a touch of an anointing on your life, Pastor Kerry. Whether you like that phrase or not, get used to it. It doesn't matter whether it's a title or not. It is a function that from this day forward will be recognized. It will be authoritative. It will be affirmed by the power of God, and the results will give evidence to the change of God that's coming upon your lives today and so I speak that under your pastor's authority from this day forward I also want to say to you pastor that that uh that we need to change our phraseology a little bit under your authority you pray about it you don't have a youth worship team and an adult worship team anymore from this day forward you have two worship teams And those two worship teams are going to begin to grow and function differently. I would say you need to intermingle them. You need to give some adults rest on a certain Sunday. Not every Sunday of the whole team, but you need to begin to swap people in and out because you're going to need two full worship teams, not an A and a B team. They're both A teams because God, what God is going to do, he don't want you to bog your money down in bigger buildings. He wants to use that money for other things, but this one building, this one room will not hold what God's going to do in the next 14 to 36 months. So you may have to multiply your services. And if you do, you need two full worship teams to be able to do that and function the way that God wants you to function. Now, I put all that under your authority, Pastor. And I would say to you, Winter, where are you, Winter? I would say to you that the Spirit of the Lord uh, has a, a very special anointing upon your life. And, and and the smile that you use when you worship, don't ever lose that. Don't ever let anybody put religion on you or tradition on you. It is that smile. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We need the encouragement. We need to know that it's not painful to worship God, that it's a joy to worship God. And God wants you to know if you will let your joy shine, he'll make sure you never lose your joy.
Also, the Spirit of God would say to you, don't be in a hurry like other people who's gone through the programs, who's, who's ended up where they are today. Don't be in a hurry. God is going to withhold some things from you a little bit longer. He's going to withhold them from you a little bit longer because he wants your focus on him. He, he wants to do a deep work in your life. He says, it will come just like it came for everybody else, but it'll come a little later, but when it comes, it's going to be quicker than everybody else. It won't take as long once it starts. In fact, some people say, this quick? This quick? You're going to do this this quick? But that's all right. You waited, and when God got ready, he's going to move fast. So just take your time and let God do what he wants to do. Amen? Nathan, I want to say to you, I don't know much about you except our time sitting around the house. I don't know if anybody has ever said this to you, but you know that Nathan was a prophet in the word of God. And, and, and there's a difference in an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet. And you need to understand the difference and do a little bit of study on that. Nathan was not a prophet in the house of God. He was a prophet to the world. He was a prophet to authorities. It was a prophet to the king. And so I would say to you, I don't know what your ministry is going to be in the body of Christ. You probably already know. Your parents already know. But God is raising you up. He's putting a prophetic voice in you. And it's a prophetic voice to the people outside. It's a prophetic voice that's going to call people into correction but in a different spirit and it's going to be a spirit that they'll respond to and many people will come to Christ because you chose to speak truth even in an age of fear and falsity so I speak that over your life in Jesus name amen everybody can I tell you one other thing can I tell you one other thing and then I'll let you start my preaching clock I want to say this about praise because I look out and I understand. I understand we, we've let some things put us in bondage. Like, that's not my nature. Well, of course it's not your nature. That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit to kill your nature. <laughs> because he wanted to give you a new nature. But you're letting that phrase that your daddy said or your grandpa said or your ma, grandma said, you're letting that phrase put you in bondage and keep you from what God wants for your life. Praise, the Bible says that God will give a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's never been a greater spirit of heaviness on the body of Christ today. And I believe we are not, what, what we're wanting to do is we feel the heaviness and we want a preacher to do all the work, lay hands on us in the heaviness to leave. But God didn't say that's how he'll remove your heaviness. He said he'll remove your heaviness with a garment of praise. A garment is something you have to put on on purpose and intentionally. No one can do it for you. The word praise confuses us what does that word mean for everyone in this room you've got a different definition that's why God don't let you define praise he defined it in his word there are seven words pastor I want to charge you and challenge you today that you need to study the seven words of praise and you need to do a series on the seven words of praise the most used word of praise in the bible is the word tehillah or halal the root word is halal here's what it when you read most of the time when you read the word praise when God said I'll give you a garment of praise to remove your spirit of heaviness this is what the word means in the Hebrew it means to make a show to boast to rave and clamor foolishly over to rave and clamor foolishly. To do something and act some way and say something that people would think, well, that's foolish. But yet God says, I want you to praise me and make a boast over me and let it be seen 
and let it be heard. That's why he didn't say, if you feel like it, clap your hands and shout unto God. He said, I command you, clap your hands, all you people, not the preacher, not the, uh, 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 the people who are outgoing, not the people who are extroverts like me. He said to every one of you, clap your hands and shout unto God. You can shout over a football. You can shout over a baseball. You can shout over a new job. You can shout over a new car. But God said, I want to break this spirit of heaviness and here's how I want to do it. I want you to make a show. I want you to clamor foolishly like when you got that engagement ring or that new automobile. You acted a little crazy. God said, I don't want you to give a car, a football or a diamond ring more praise than you give me. So Grace Fellowship, let's get on our feet right now and let's clap our hands and let's shout as loud as we can with a voice of triumph. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. We magnify you. We magnify you. I can't hear you. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I feel something breaking loose already. Give somebody a high five and say, you're the best looking thing I've seen today. Will you do that? Tell them right now. Tell them right now. You're the best looking thing I've seen today. You say, well, what if they're not the best looking thing I've seen today? Well, the Bible says there's power in your tongue. <laughs> Come on. The Bible, says, the Bible says life and death is in your tongue. So you're just calling things that are not as though they were. Come on. You say, well, I feel like I'm lying. Well, good. I need a good altar service, and you can repent at the end of the service. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. All right, you can start my preaching clock. I've never done that before, what i just done. I don't think I've ever done in my history of my 45 years of ministry. It was very authoritative, but I believe I have that liberty in this house, so I gave it. Now, a uh, couple of months ago, my wife, uh, I know she would send her apologies. She had to start on a, a chemotherapy medicine this week, and so she's not feeling well. She wanted to be here this morning, so forgive her. Three months ago, we celebrated our 40th anniversary. Come on, somebody. Our 40th anniversary. Yeah. So I, I want to show you a picture of our wedding night. Can you all see that? That's a picture of our wedding night. Uh, that's on the platform of our wedding. It wasn't a shotgun wedding. Just leave that picture up a minute, and I want to help you understand. Uh, in 1982, when we got married, isn't she beautiful? Glory to God. The church we got married in was known and had a history of, during the wedding reception, Two groups of people would kidnap the groom, kidnap the bride, and for four to six hours on their wedding night, they would have 30-minute intervals where they would let the two cars pass and wave at each other, and they would keep them apart the first six hours of their wedding night. And, and, and here's something the Bible says. Put that scripture up. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, and I'm going to give you the living Bible paraphrase, but I like this verse of scripture. Can we put that up? Uh, that first verse, Proverbs 
22, there it is. A prudent man foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them. But, but, but a simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. I was not going to suffer the consequences, so I prepared myself. Come on, somebody. And at the reset, I hired those deputy sheriffs. They're Jefferson County, uh, Jefferson, uh, Jefferson County deputies. I hired them. I talked to the sheriff before I hired them. I said, now listen, it's a wedding and I'm paying them. Will they protect me? Do they have to keep me from being taken? They said, he said, yes, sir. He said, you're hiring them as deputy sheriffs. And a man picked me up, about a six, six-foot man picked me up in the reception. And those two deputies stepped in front of the door and said, sir, you have to put him down. And I was glad I prepared. Come on, son. Now, it is crazy. And I mean, I, I mean, there are couples that they literally did that to. Now, I tell you that story because what I want to share with you this morning is something that is strong on my heart and and that I believe the Lord wants to say to you. Back back in those days, my pastor didn't believe in premarital counseling. So they just married us. But one week before I got married, three of the deacons, four of the deacons called me in a room on Sunday morning and said, look, Frankie, there's three things. We're going to give you three tips Three strategies. If you'll learn these three things, you'll be able to make it through all the difficult days that marriage comes. Me and my wife tell everybody, we've been married 40 years, 25 wonderful ones. Y'all don't look at me that way. Y'all don't look at me that way. Y'all don't look at me that way. Yeah, we've had some difficult days. We've had some hazardous moments. But what got me through was what them three deacons, four deacons told me. They said, you need to remember three things. I said, what's that? You need to remember, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and I didn't mean it that way. And if you remember those three phrases, you'll make it through this marriage. And it, it come in handy several times, and I made it 40 years. Come on, everybody. That's, that's what we would call today, they call that life hacks, you know. They, it's ways to improve and be more efficient in your marriage. And, and, and so I find myself, after 40 years, still using those life hacks. Can I have an amen? And I want to give you some helpful hacks this morning for difficult days. When the pandemic hit, it revealed some things to us. Number one, it showed us that our nation was a tinderbox. When the pandemic hit, racial injustice hit, and a chaotic, probably the most chaotic I know in my 62 years of an election cycle, it just proved that America was a tinderbox ready to ignite and explode. It did. And it has not slowed down. It didn't slow down with the border crisis. It didn't slow down with the financial crisis we're in. And and if you think, if you think because Roe versus Wade was overturned that that's going to change a whole lot, it is fixing to be some difficult days in this nation. We are not the United States of America. We're the divided states of America. And, and, and let me tell you something. I need to talk to you out of my heart for a few minutes. If you believe that a, a, a political candidate is going to help this nation, you are wrong. If you are looking for some political revival, midterms and president and new policies to turn this nation around, we've had cycles of those people, yet our nation has continued to go down. Let me tell you why. Because the Bible says it. 
if you study this Bible, the Bible tells us that, that if you read it, you will not read the United States of America anywhere in your Bible. And I need to help you understand something. I know we don't like this. I know we think we're Americans. God's going to do it for us because we're so great. But you need to understand, I don't care how much you pray, how much you speak in tongues, how many scriptures you quote, the the all-seeing purpose of God in this word is going to come to pass the way that God said it would come to pass 6,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. It's going to happen the way the Bible says. And here's what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just like I I knew what my church was going to do and I prepared for it. I I, I, I was going to be a wise man, not a foolish man and suffer the consequences. I need to tell you what God has already said is coming. In fact, here's what he says in 2 Timothy 3. You should know this. Look at somebody and say, you should already know this. That's what Paul was saying. Timothy, you should know this. You need to know this. Watch what it says. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than love God. That's not like reading something written 2,000 years ago. That's like watching CNN or Fox News right now. Everything that Paul said is happening right now. Not in Russia, not in China, but in the United Divided States of America. And we're wringing our hands like, oh, God is going to fix all of this with our next president. Oh, he's going to turn it all. No, he is not going to turn it all around. Difficult days are here. And, and we don't need a political revival. We need a supernatural, spiritual revival, a move of God. For that's the only thing that can change the hearts of men. If laws could change the hearts of men, Jesus Christ would have never come and died on a cross I don't care how many laws you pass it is not going to change people only the spirit of God can change a heart and a life and that's what God is wanting is for the church to come alive and be who God called us to be and quit trusting some other world system to bring the revival God wants to bring you see the divided states of America needs a united church but let me tell you that the pandemic, racial injustice, a chaotic political cycle, the border crisis, the, the economic downturn, and Roe versus Wade didn't just prove that America was polarized and divided and separated. It proved that the church in America was polarized and divided and separated and you looked on Facebook and you looked on Instascam and you looked on Twitter and brother is blasting brother and we're shooting cannonball biblical verses over the bow of the good old gospel ship 
blasting other believers that don't believe like we believe. And the church is the reason our nation is in the trouble it's in. It is not the White House. It is not the schoolhouse. It is not the courthouse. It is not even the church house. It's your house and it's my house. And God wants you and I to wake up and realize uh, we need some helpful hacks for difficult days. Is that all right? You still love me? It don't really matter. I'm going to get in my car in a few minutes and say, nah, 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 nah. I'm here because I love you. And because I believe God wants to speak to you today and prepare you. You have a choice to make. Not next week, not next month. In fact, you will choose today. You say, no, I'm not going to choose today. Well, you made a choice when you chose not to choose. You will make a choice today. What are you going to do to prepare? Peter gave us these helpful hacks. They're found in 1 Peter chapter 4. Beginning with verse number 7. And here's what he says. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. Everybody say that out loud with me. The end of the world is coming soon. Everybody say it out loud again. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore. Everybody say therefore. Here's what you're to do. Here's what you're to do. Not expect the government to do. Not expect your platform or your party or your political candidate. Here's what you're to do. Come on, look at, look at somebody smile. Don't look religious, ugly. Let's smile and say, here's what, God's talking to you. Come on, help me. Come on, help me. Say, God's talking to you. God's talking to you. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love. For love, not arguments, not blasting one another, not defaming. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully, cheerfully. Everybody shout cheerfully. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift. God has given each of you a gift. God has given each of you a gift. There's not anybody left out. Nobody's been overlooked. There's no stepchildren. There's no grandchildren in the body of Christ. If you're a child of God, God has given you a gift. And here's why he gave it to you out of his great variety of gifts. He gave you so you use them well to serve one another. Everybody say serve one another. Oh, y'all got a little quieter on that one. Come on, everybody shout serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Read that line with me. Do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. Then everything you do, then everything you do, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him ever and ever. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you five things very quickly that I believe that out of these verses God is saying for me and you, if you don't prepare, if you don't do them, you're going to suffer the consequences of difficult days. They're here to stay. I don't say that to bring you down. I'm going to tell you the most difficult seasons is where God shines his greatest. It's in your weakness that God's strength is perfected. It's not when you're strong. That's what's wrong with, too, with, with some of us. We're too strong in ourselves. Come on, I need a better amen. 
forgive me for my forgive me for my strength this morning but, but I know I have a word from the Lord and so I say it with authority is that alright the first thing is is pray daily I, I need to say this too it's time it's time that we quit making excuses you need to get out of your excuse zone you need to get out of your comfort zone well it just feels awkward to me well you talk to everybody else that don't feel awkward to you some of you get on the phone and talk too much. That don't feel awkward to you. Pray daily. Pray is just talking to God. And, and prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. You talk to God, God talks to you. God is a speaking God. He's your creator. He knows more about you than anybody else knows. He knows what you need more than anybody. He Listen, I, I believe in doctors. I believe in lawyers. I believe in all those things. But let me tell you something. More than a counselor, more than a lawyer, more than a doctor, God knows what, what you need more than anybody else. And he has an answer for every question of your life. But you need to talk to him. Here's why. Here's why you need to talk to God every day, every day. Because difficult days are coming. And we don't know what's, what's coming. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And so if you stay in touch with the one who holds tomorrow, you will make it. Does everybody understand that? In fact, you're not far from Huntsville. And in and, and, and the Apollo 11 uh, that, that left earth and went to the moon and came back. And despite all your conspiracy theories, I believe it happened. That... Listen to me. They went to the moon, put feet on the moon, brought those people back. That spaceship was only on course 3% of the time. 97% of the time it was off course. You can read this for yourself. And scientists say, even though it was off course 97% of the time, it still made it there safe and it still made it back safe. How? They said because we constantly were correcting this far, this far, this far, this far. We had constant communication. They said, wait, go left. Wait, go right. Go up, go down. And because they kept in constant communication between the base and between the people flying the ship, they made it there and they made it back home. There, there is a principle, an aviation principle. It's called the one degree rule and it says this. It says, if you get off from your start to your destination, if you get off course just one degree, everybody say one degree. Just one degree, not 10 degrees, 50 degrees, one degree. In 100 yards, you will miss your destination by five feet. That's, that's not very recognizable. Come on, everybody. In fact, if you go a whole mile, one degree off, you'll miss your destination by 90 feet, 30 yards. And, and while that's not recognizable, it is starting to show up. And this rule goes on to say, see, the further you go, just one degree off, the more dangerous it becomes. In fact, in NASA... They have this rule, and it's called the 1 in 60 rule. And it says this, if an aircraft gets off course just one degree and travels 60 miles, in 60 miles, it'll be one whole mile off its destination, which means it could end up in the side of a mountain, the middle of an ocean, or a high-rise building in the middle of a city. That's called disaster. And let me just tell you, I know me and I know you. And we're going to get off more than one degree. 
I mean, I mean, some mornings I start on course and before nightfall, I've done got 50 degrees off course. But you see, it don't show up in a little ways. So every morning, every morning, every morning at 4 a.m., the time doesn't matter. That's for me. It doesn't matter if it's 6, 8, 9, but every morning the first thing I do is I begin to talk to God. And it doesn't matter how long I do that. I just talk to God. And I, and I have a reason for talking. And then I open my little one-year Bible and I let God talk to me. God will talk to you through the word if you will give him an opportunity. And then I like to go jogging or running or walking three to five miles. And what I do is I've talked to God. I've let his word talk to me. And then I just, while I'm walking, I say, okay, where am I getting off course? Where do I need to correct? Where do I need to make a course correction? And he'll begin to speak to me and show me. And because of that, I can get back on course. I may not be on course 100% of the time. But if I'm constantly correcting, I will make it where God has called me to go. I challenge you. If you don't come up with a system to talk to God every day, you're going to find yourself crashing in the difficult days ahead. Get over it. You do everything else that's important to you. You eat every morning. You put your clothes on every morning. You get in your automobile every day. You do what's important to you. And God is sending you a word. It's coming. Prepare. The second thing that the Bible says, let me give you a verse of scripture there. Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. Everybody say that, be still. Listen, listen. he even goes on to say this. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted. It don't matter what chaos is coming. If you'll be still and know God, he'll be exalted in the midst of your darkness. And the word still means this right here. Shut up and sit down. That's all God is saying. Shut up, sit down, let me talk to you for a minute. Let's get back on course. The first thing is pray daily. The second thing is to love unconditionally. Peter said it like this, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't have a scripture here, but Peter said it like this. He said, uh, he said, most of all, continue to show deep love. Show. Everybody say show. Listen to me. Listen to me. You, you cannot love without action. Love is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. It's not a quiver of your liver. (laughs) Come on, everybody. That's called emotionalism. Love is a commitment. It's a choice. You know how I know that? Because God commands you to love me. So if you loving me depended upon what I did, God couldn't command you to to love me because that would be unfair and God's not unjust. It's a decision and a choice that you make. It's a commitment to in such a way to do something that shows that I love you and you know what he said there he said here's the kind of love I want you to show here's the deep love I want you to show I want you to cover a multitude of sin the greatest love you can ever give to anybody and listen to me you better hear this this morning if you listen to anything I say then you can cut me off after this one you can go ahead and start thinking about lunch after this one The greatest love of, the greatest, deepest love is to forgive. Too many Christians are nursing hurts and carrying wounds. 
You got bitterness in your life. You got anger in your life. And it shows up and it explodes. Your family don't even know why you're kicking the cat. They don't even know why you're yelling and slamming the door. It wasn't anything they did. Oh, you're blaming it on them. No, 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 no. It's because something deep down inside you're still carrying that you have not let go of. And it is controlling your life. And it's controlling your 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 relationships. And it's controlling your circumstances. Some of you have lost jobs just because you couldn't control your temper and it's hurt your family financially it's not the devil it's you I know what y'all think we'll be glad when this guy's gone <laughs> you know you know when a doctor's helping you find what's wrong with you he'll mash where it hurts I'm trying to help you I love you I'm your friend let me tell you something they may have done it. I'm not, I'm not minimizing. It was terrible. It was wrong. It was painful. But you're letting something they did control what you do. And the only way you can keep it from controlling you is it doesn't matter what they do, is you cancel the debt. You let them go. What you let go of will let go of you. What you forgive will free you. What you cancel, you control. You bring it back under your control and you release people. And listen to me. If you've ever been forgiven, you know what it feels like to be forgiven. Come on, somebody. The love of God has forgiven us. And listen, listen. We always preach forgiveness on you need to forgive so it'll make it better for you. Jesus didn't need to be free of anything. He didn't forgive to set himself free. He forgave to set those who had done wrong free. And in these days, we need to forgive people and say, look, you're free. I don't hold it over you anymore. I forgive you. I release you. You need to be free so you can live the life God's planned for you to live. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I love this verse of scripture. It says, uh, it says, excuse me, I'm sorry, I got to look at my note to read this verse. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to me, everybody. In the Greek, it means this. It says, don't let this world what everybody else does that you work with, what everybody else in your family, what everybody else on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter says, don't let them squeeze you into its mold. One translation says this, it says, don't become so accustomed to the culture around you that you fit right in without ever thinking. And that's what some of us do. We don't ever process our emotion. We just post our emotion. And the world is watching. And the church, not the government, not the world, the church is doing more to hurt our own influence than anything else in this world is doing. When I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about me and you because we're the church. We've got to forgive. I don't care what everybody else does. We've got to release. Pray daily, love unconditionally. Number three is live selflessly. Boy, I'm telling you, he said open your home. Open your home. Give them a place to stay. Give them a meal to eat. Now, I, I don't know exactly what all that means, but this is what God spoke to me. He, he's talked about extravagant generosity and extravagant hospitality. And here's the biggest thing. You can open your home and not open your heart. What God is really saying is open your life up. If anything I saw COVID-19 do is it caused the church to become selfish. And it's all about me and what's best for me. 
And I'm telling you, we were not created to live that way. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And God is asking me and you, can you open your life up and not let everything in your life be about you? Everything in my life's about me. Come on, I like my remote. I like my favorite chair. Come on, everybody. I like my tea sweet and the way my mama made it. Come on. I, I mean, I want the toilet tissue to come over. I don't want you to squeeze the toothpaste. Come on, somebody. I mean, I want my food hot when it gets to my table. I want that woman, I want that man, whoever served my table, I want you to keep glad ice in my glass keep my coat full come on because it's all about me well I'm paying for it no you're a carrier of the presence of God and you're there and let me tell you I know I've said it before but I've got to say it again in this town in fact two weeks ago in Huntsville in a restaurant with a family friends of mine Pat and Melissa Perkins we ask our waitress again. I've been asking this question for 40 years. It's changed my life. I want to tell you what she said. We said, it was Sunday. It was Sunday afternoon. And we said, listen. We said, uh, we're, we're, we're from the church and said, how does that affect you? How, how, how does waitresses and waiters, and, and she smiled and she giggled a little bit. She happened to be a Christian, thank God. She said, well, I'm a believer and I just let it roll off. I said, no, we need to know. She said, well, most servers hate Christians. Sundays are the worst day. Here's the reputation you have. I have. They are the most complaining and stingiest people that walk in. We'd rather work Monday through Saturday than have to work on Sunday. That's our reputation. That's our reputation. And we've got to change it. Why? why? Listen, you, one meal ain't going to hurt you. I'm looking at you. Come on. I mean, come on. Come on. What if you just went in there and say, it really don't matter if it's, if it's done just like I like it. What really matters is this woman or this man and who they're going to see and what they're going to see. And so I'm going to ask them their name and I'm going to call them by their name every time they come to the table. And every little thing they do, I'm going to thank them by name. And then I'm going to tip them good. I may tip them even if the meal was bad, even if the service was bad. You say, even if the service was bad, I ain't going to tip them. Have you ever had a bad day at work? Did you still get paid? I'm telling you, we have lived too selfishly as the body of Christ. We need to open our lives up. Now, I go to hotel rooms. Every time I go to a hotel room, it don't matter if I stay a day or five days. My last day on checkout day, I strip the beds. I take the pillowcases off. I put them all in a pile. I gather up all the towels, wash rags, and I put them in a pile. I gather up all the... I'm not bragging on me. I'm just trying to tell you, it ain't all about me. I know a woman is going to walk in there. And listen, in these days right now, they, they are working harder than they ever had. Help is as little as it's ever been. And, and the stress and the strain on those people that make those rooms is horrendous. A lot of them are single mothers, are grandmothers that are raising their grandchildren, working hard when they ought to be able to take it easy. So you know what I say? I say, God, when they walk in this room, I want them to experience your love. I want them to experience something different. So I put three piles, garbage, towels, sheets, and I leave a note saying, listen, thank you for your service. It's making a difference. I love the room when I came in it, and I leave them a tip. Why? I want them to see something different. The only way we're going to make a difference in this world is if we live different than this world come on somebody are y'all with me well, I stopped by I tell you God just did God did this for me this morning I stopped by Starbucks in Huntsville I always do when I'm coming here 
I'm a Starbucks guy. In fact, everybody gives me Starbucks for my birthday, my Father's Day, my anniversary, Christmas. I think I have $300 on my app right now that's been given to me. So whenever I go to Starbucks, it don't cost me nothing. I splurge. I walked right in the door. I knew what I wanted. There was a homeless guy standing there. And uh, he was looking. It was two of them at first. And one of them walked off there looking at the counter and looking at everything and looking up at the price. I said, hey, man. I said, get whatever you want. It's on me this morning. He said, oh, no. He said, he said I, I, got, uh, I got a card. He had a card in his head. He said, I got, I got some money. I said, I said, I don't care. I said, save that for later. You're going to need it later. Today it's on me. He said, well, I got a buddy with me. I said, well, tell your buddy to come up here. He said, oh, no. He said, I don't feel right taking your money when I got money. I said, you didn't take it. I offered it. He said, yeah, but I got money. It's not right for me to use your money. I said, yes. I said, listen, it was gift to me anyway. You know why God gave it to me? So I could give it to you. He brought his buddy up there, and they got up there, and, and he started saying, he said, uh, is that too much? Is that I said splurge? It's on me today. Let me tell you something. I didn't even look at. It. I think it was twenty three dollars for theirs. I sat down. He walked over and he said, "He said there's something different." Everybody said, "He said read Psalms eighty eight. He said because that's the way I feel." So I just he went back and sat down. And I began to read Psalms eighty eight. You ought to read where he tells he just feels forsaken by God. came back over and he said did you read and I said yeah I said I, I understand I can't imagine where you are I said but that's why God sent me here today with a Starbucks app to show you he loves you another homeless guy walked in off the street he walked by me and he said watch this he took his card and bought this other homeless guy his stuff from Starbucks Listen to me. I'm not bragging on me. I'm not smart enough to do this. I just, it just falls. When you live for others, if you will live selflessly, God will show up and show you ways. I walk out. I walk out. And there's a man sitting in the car, rolls his window down, said, sir, I see a Bible in your hand. Can you come here for a minute? I said, yes, sir. He said, look, he said, I got a doctor's degree. I'm an aeronautic something specialist. And he said, uh, he said, a few months ago, I almost died. I was crawling around on my hands and my, and my feet, and I thought I was dying. He said, I heard the voice of God speak to my mother who was praying for me, and I heard the voice of God say, your son is not going to die. I'm not done with him yet. And he said, four hours later, when they finally got me to the hospital, he said, I began to revive. He showed me his pacemaker, and he said, listen, he said, I live in California. I'm home for a reunion. He said, but I want you to pray that whatever God saved my life for, he'll show me so I can live. So I, I just reached in the window and bumped knuckles with him and prayed with him. And dad, before I could get through praying with him, I hear a car door slam beside me. I start to walk off and it is Tanika. And Tanika calls me over there and she says, sir, I saw you praying for that guy. She said, will you pray for me? I said, pray for you. She said, yeah. She said, I, I, I don't know. I, I've gotten off course a little bit. Y'all hear what I said? She said, I've gotten off course a little bit. I said, my God. I told her the story I just told you. I said, that's why God sent you to Starbucks this morning. I'm going to tell you how to get back on course I bumped knuckles with her and I prayed in the park listen if you will just live selflessly your life is so stinking boring don't you need some adventure in your life if you'll open your life up here's what the Bible says Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6 and I'm winding down I'm winding down I'm winding slow but I'm winding here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior 
Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. What would you just like somebody to do? Buy your meal unexpected? Then buy somebody. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. Don't wait. This is Jesus with skin on. That's what you and I are called to do. We're to be like Jesus. Just go out. We don't live for ourselves like the rest of the world. Well, I, I think people are taking advantage of they're not taking advantage of you. Everything you got, God gave to you anyway. You, you'd be homeless on the street yourself. You'd be in a sane asylum. You may even have been committed to us. You'd be a wino or a drug addict. But God's grace touched your life. God wants you to be a river, not a reservoir. Hold on to everything. Oh, the economy's getting bad. Listen, honey, if the economy's getting bad, you better give because God makes a promise. Give and it shall be given unto you. You can't hoard enough to take care of yourself. God can take better care of you than you can take care of yourself. Oh, I tell y'all, I'm, I'm being hard on you and y'all loving me anyway. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you what's happening. I'm going to tell you what's happening. I wrote it down. I didn't feel led to say it. Now I do. God has sown into your life. And he believes in the same law he wants you to practice. He believes in reaping what he's sown. Why he sent me here today is he's wanting to harvest. He has sown into your life what you're feeling. And I know it's a little, I know what that feeling's like. Listen, I still struggle. Don't get me wrong. I still struggle. But what your, that struggle is, is God's pulling his harvest out of you. He has sown in you. He's going he's gonna to peel your fingers off of something. Come on, somebody. He's, he's peeling your fingers off of something right now. He's, he's changing your priorities right now. Because he wants to help you make it through the difficult days ahead. Okay, I got I to gotta just quit. Number four is serve purposely. He said God's given each of you your gifts. He wants you to faithfully serve one another. Everybody look at me. You have a gift. You have a purpose in life. You have a purpose. It's your why. It's why you were born. It's why you're still alive. It's why you didn't die from COVID. It's, 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 it's why you're sitting in this room. You have a why. If you will discover that why. If you don't know what it is, sir. If you don't know what it is, ma'am. I'm telling you. It's the number one priority of your life. You do whatever you have to do to discover your purpose. You can't determine it. It's already been decided by God. He gave you the gift. But you can discover it. And if you discover your why. Let me tell you something. They may take your work away from you. But they can never take your why away from you. They may lay you off your work. But they can't lay you off your why. If you find your why. Your why will put a pep in your step. It'll make you do things you never dreamed you could do. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. He said, so I run with purpose in every step. Find your purpose. I tell you, the joy you're missing is connected to your why. It's connected to your purpose. If you'll find your purpose, you'll understand why you are who you are today. And it'll give you the joy and the fulfillment you're looking for. Here's the last one. <clears throat> I want to I give this to you. He said at the very end, he said, do it with all the, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Everybody say that God supplies. Come on, come on, don't check out on me just yet. I'm telling you, things happen in overtime that don't happen any other time. Come on. Come on, everybody. 
Several years ago, the Baltimore Colts were behind 35 points. And in the last eight minutes of the game, they caught up. They played seven overtimes and won the game. Don't, don't quit on me yet. Come on, discipline your mind for just a minute. It, 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 come on, just discipline your mind. Don't miss what God's fixing to say to you. Because I need to tell you something. You're not good enough. You are not smart enough. You're not gifted enough. You're not talented enough. You're not educated enough. You're not experienced enough. You're not wealthy enough. You're not strong enough. Your personality is not enough. Your good looks are not enough. The fifth one is pursue dependency. Here's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And I want you to notice as I'm reading this, the personal pronoun of you. Everybody shout you. Come on, everybody shout you. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But you. Shout it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon. Shout it. Come on. And you will be my witness. Not the preacher. Not your wife. Not your husband. Not your daddy. Not your mama. Not your son. Not your daughter. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. That's how revival's coming. That's how the church is going to fill up. Not by Facebook. Now, now listen, I'm not throwing off. If somebody was watching Facebook this morning with all the chaos, that ain't going to get them in here. Come on, everybody. I'm not throwing off. I'm trying to tell you. If they're going to come, it's because they see you. And they say something's different about him. Something's different about her. I'm going to follow her to wherever she's getting what she's getting. You'll receive power. And listen, 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 listen. That word power means ability. It means force. Here again, come on, guys. It's in the Bible. We're, we're arguing and fussing over things we, that, that we've read on Google or heard some preacher out of a cemetery, I mean seminary, tell us how to believe. Gee, these are the words of Jesus. They're not Frankie Powell's words. Don't get hung up on all the, the evidences. Go after the, what God promised. He said, I will pour my spirit out on you and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Well, I could never do that. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. You couldn't never do it. You're right. But in order to do what God wants you to do, it's going to take him. It's going to take his power. It's going to take his power. It's going to take his power. Do what you can't do. How many of you know who Elijah is? Anybody know who Elijah in the Bible is? Let me see your hand if you know who Elijah the prophet. He got fed by the ravens. How many of you know who got fed by? How many of you believe that story? Let me see your hand. If you believe the Bible says it. But do you know what? There was nobody with Elijah. So we're going on his word that ravens fed him every morning and every night. And you just said you believed it. I'm going to tell you I was in a hotel room in Austin, Texas in 2019. 2020, I'm sorry, 2020. In August of 2020. And I needed some money, cash. 
It's a long story. I think I shared with it here one time before about God did something in my life through cash and I didn't have any cash, just a few, just a few dollars in cash and I needed some money because when I travel, I like to give money to people in the airports and, and I said, God, I need some money and I checked my billfold and I said, that's not enough. What I was hoping was that the next morning the pastor would give me some cash instead of just a check. That's what I was hoping for. I'm being honest. I, I, my faith was great, but it wasn't that great. You know. I wake up the next morning. I go to my billfold. And in my billfold is two $100 bills. Now, I know you don't believe it. I know you don't. If I was sitting where you was, I wouldn't believe you either. Because that's what's happened to us. We say we want to see miracles. But what we're really saying is, work them through somebody else and let me see them. And God is saying, no, I want to work them through you. I want to work them through you. Elisha threw a little flour in something and made the poison go away. He threw a little salt in a creek and made the water bitter to sweet. He threw a stick in the water and an axe head floated. And if you don't believe all that, you're in trouble anyway. But aren't you tired of reading about what everybody else did? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Stand to your feet with me. I want to read one more thing to you. Don't check out on me just yet because I feel a stirring of the Spirit of God. I'm talking to every one of us. I'm talking to Frankie. I'm talking to the youngest in this room. I'm talking to the oldest in this room. I'm talking to the single. I'm talking to the married. I'm talking to the most extroverted. I'm talking to the most introverted. I'm talking to the smartest. And I'm talking to me on the other end. I'm talking to the skinny. I'm talking to the big. I'm talking to the tall. I'm talking to the short. A few months ago, I was with my mother. She's 93 years old. She's a woman of God. One day, I'll just, one day I'm just going to preach a sermon on my mother. In the middle of the pandemic, they diagnosed her with bone cancer, incurable bone cancer, found it in her body. She declared her healing. Three months later, the same doctor that found it went back in and could not find it. I was in her house one day and she said, son, I want you to pray with me. She said, there's this, there's this thing I used to have written on a piece of paper and I can't find it. And I know I, I know it was in this apartment after I moved in this apartment. And I want you to pray. I said, mother, I said, you know, Elijah, Elisha prayed and the axe head floated. She said, yeah. I said, I'm going to pray that you'll just come up on it and there it'll be. Even though you've looked everywhere. I left her house a few minutes later and I'm driving around. About an hour later, she calls me. She says, honey, I got it. I said, you found it, didn't you? She said, no. She said, but after you prayed for me and left, I sat down at the table and the Lord brought every word of it back to my mind. 93 years old. See, 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 if you trust on you, you're going to get what you can do. 
But if you'll trust in the power of God. Listen, listen, quit being afraid. Don't let the misuses and the abuses overshadow the uses. Let me say it again. Don't let the misuses and the abuses overshadow the uses. God didn't say I'll give you power to show out. He didn't say I'll give you power to show off. He said I'll give you power to show up and be who I've called you to be where I've called you to be. And here's what it is, and I want to read it to you. It's called limiting God, and I'm saying this to every person in this room. Oh, child of mine, speaks the still small voice. I would have filled you with my fullness, but you limited me. You once said you wanted my best at any cost, but did you mean it? Or was it a well-sounding phrase of a public I wanted to make you a whirlwind to uproot and sweep clean. But you wanted to be a nice little breeze that made everyone happy. If you want my best, you must be willing to be misunderstood, be marked as a fanatic. Much of your life has been wasted, but give me what remains. For little is much when God is in it. I believe this is a monumental day on this 20th birthday. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and tell you I believe God wants to work some miracles in this room this morning. There are some backslidden sons and daughters Will you dare to believe God today? I know you've prayed. I know you've called. I know you've argued with, fussed with. Are you, would you dare to believe today that God supernaturally, just like the prodigal in a hog pen, God will supernaturally draw them back? I, I mean supernaturally. Nothing you can do to change it. But will you dare to believe God? If you will dare to believe God, I want you to walk up here and just stand. Just stand if you'll dare to believe God. I believe that there are some incurable diseases. They may not necessarily be deadly, but they are incurable. They're chronic diseases. And I know you've been prayed for. You've been slapped on the head, pushed down, oiled up. But today is a day of miracles. Will you believe today for a supernatural, not an emotion, not a man to lay hands on you, but for the power of God to set down in your life, in your circumstances, in your family, in your ministry, in your career, in your job. I feel there is some businesses or, or finances that are going in arrears and you've done everything you know to do. You've tried everything that you've been coached to do and it, and it looks like you're going to have to go under. But I believe God sent me here with a word to say he's bringing it back around. But it it's not going to happen through normal wisdom. You're going to have to do extravagant, extraordinary, unusual things. You're going to have to operate in biblical principles, not in business principles. If that's you, I want you to get up here. I want you to make room. Y'all come on in and open the aisles up a little more. I want people to be able to still come forward if they want to. In the name of Jesus. In the name of There are some relationships that are over. They're over. They're over. They're over. They're over. I'm going I'm to say this one thing. I can't tell you the whole story. My sister and brother-in-law were divorced five years. 
it was over. Five years later, they walked the aisle and remarried. And since that date of this, they've been in two of the most extraordinary revivals. The Browns were right. Their pastor is John Kilpatrick and has been for the last 25 years. There is nothing impossible with God. Saul of Tarsus hated Christianity. He had orders to put him in prison. He was on his horse. And God knocked him off that horse supernaturally. You can't do it, but God can. God can. God can. God can. I'm going to tell you something. You, you, got, you got less confidence in you than God does. God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. God sees your potential, not your problems. He knows you're limited. That's why he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Oh, I feel the brooding breath of God. Listen, never did a miracle happen in the Bible. Listen to me. I want you to hear me before you bow your heads. Never a miracle happened in the Bible till someone obeyed an instruction that God told them it didn't seem right it didn't seem reasonable it was not natural God told throw a stick in the water God told them to do something give your last cake of bread away God told them and when they responded God responded I don't know what God's going to ask you to do tear it up tear it up throw it away don't bring it up again I don't know what God's going to ask you to do I don't know what he's going to ask it's not up to me not up to know but if you will obey he's going to answer with power where is the Lord God of Elijah where is the Lord God of Elisha where is the God of Peter where is the God of Paul he's right here he's your God and he's my God put your hands in the air listen listen don't don't let your mind get confused I want you to simply say God give me your power Jesus promised me Jesus promised me. I'm not here for what Frankie's promising. I'm not here for what a preacher promises. I'm here for what you promised. You said I would receive power. Miracle working power. I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit. I'm asking you to fill me with your power. Will you do it right now? Out of your own mouth. Out of your own words. Just say God fill me. I take my limits off. I will not tell you what to do. You tell me what to do. Here I am. Here I am. Brooding breath of God. Hagios Numa. Oh, the sanctifying wind of God. Blow over every man. Blow over every woman. Let the anointing oil of the Spirit of God rest upon you right now. In the healing. In the name of Jesus. Healing. I know that you had it last time. And they said you'll have it every time. And that's real. And that's the facts. But the truth is, I'll take sickness and disease out of the midst of thee. And in the name of Jesus, your faith has made you whole. In the name of Jesus. 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 Quit worrying about. Quit worrying about. You're worrying about something because you always took care of it. And now you're worried you won't be able to take care of it anymore. But God said, now it's time for me to take care of it. It's time for me. I want you to enter a new realm of faith. I want you to enter a new realm of obedience. 
I want you to enter a new freedom. Will you let it go? Will you let it go? Will you let it go? Will you forgive once and for all? Don't talk about it anymore. Will you tell them you've forgiven them? Will you call them? Will you text them? Will you, will you go by and see them? Will you tell them I release you in the name? Hey, hey, you have no idea what's on the other side of your obedience. It's just on the other side of your obedience. Will you set your clock 15 minutes early? Will you start tomorrow and talk to me? I'll put you back on course. I tell you, I know where I'm taking you. And where I'm taking you is a whole lot better than where you've been. I say to you, if you'll obey me today, if you'll just trust me, if you'll take the leap of faith, if you'll dare to believe my word, if you'll dare to believe my word, I'm telling you, healing's coming on people's body right now. Come on, I, I know you get tired of raising your hands, but come on, raise them up. Raise one up at a time. When it gets tired, put it down, put the other hand up. But you need to keep your hand up. It's a sign of surrender. It's an act of surrender saying, here I am, God. I'm not going to fight this thing. I'm not going to wrestle with this thing. I'm going to give myself to you. You know what I have need of. You know what I have need of. Oh, it's your birthday. But it's a whole lot more than your birthday, brother. It's a turnaround day for your life. It's a turnaround day for your life. I tell you, sir, God's fixing to change you on the inside out. Oh, listen, people's going to look at you and say, well, he's never been that way before. He's never done anything like that before. Even your wife's going to say, honey, what's different about you? Oh, it's just because your heart has been tried and found pure. Not perfect. You're not perfect, sir, but your heart is pure. God looks at the thoughts and the intents and the motives. He doesn't look at the actions. He looks at the motives. And God said, I found a pure heart. And I'm going to give you that which you've hoped for down in the deepest place of your heart. I'm going to give it to you. And because I'm giving it to you, you're going to begin to change. Your nature is going to begin to change. Your affections are going to begin to change. Even what your taste buds love is going to begin to change. God is changing you right now in the supernatural, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, glory to God. And he's going to start preparing you for a new one. Glory to God. It's a new day. I don't understand what I'm saying, but it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. Oh, yes. It'll never happen. You just decided to live with it. You just decided this is the way it's going to be. No. God saved the best for last. He's turning water into wine. Glory to God. What's just been natural, he's going to change it into something supernatural. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. Sir, forgive me. I don't want to do anything to draw attention to you. I would never do that. I know nothing about you. And I don't know what it is. But there is something special. God sees in your mind. Nobody else may have never seen it. Your father may have not have saw it. Your mother may have not have saw it. Your bosses may have never saw it, but God said, I see it. And it's because you're breathing, it says to you, I'm not finished. And it's like it's like a treasure hidden in dirt. You have to dig out the dirt to find the treasure. God said, there's treasure. All anybody's ever seen is the, the dirt, the toil. God says, I see the treasure. And I'm pulling the treasure out today, sir. Listen, listen, he said. He said, don't think you got to strive. I'm going to give you the desire and the power to do it. He said, it's God in you to 
today, sir, because you walked up here. You humbled yourself and walked up here. God said, I'm putting my power in you and I'm going to change your desires and I'm going to give you the desire to do for me and the power to do it. Don't worry from this day forward. Your walk will be different. Your talk will be different from this day forward. I'm going to bring out the treasure and others are going to see it and give glory to God from this day forward. God says, if you'll ask me, I see it already in your heart. I see it in your heart. You thought it was ambition. You thought you didn't deserve it. You're not worthy, but you've desired it. God said, I put that desire in you. If you will ask me for it, if you will dare say to me, Father God, I'm asking you to give this to me. God said, I will grant the desires of your heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Brooding breath of God. Brooding breath of God. Brooding breath of God. Brooding breath of God. Grace Family Worship Center, today's a new day. Your future is greater than your past. Change is coming. It's coming rapidly. It's coming swiftly. And it's going to be good. The blessing and favor of God is resting on this house. Your waiting period is over. It's beginning a brand new season. The hand of the Father is coming upon the house. The hand of the Father is coming on your leaders right now. I need some men and women of God to gather around Pastor Eric Pastor Kerry right now. It's a new day, my brother. Now, you know me. You've heard me preach a thousand times. Never seen me like this before. I'm telling you, it's a new day. It's a new day. Come on, house. Come on, house. Get around your mom and daddy. It's a brand new day. It's a brand new day. Oh, there's growing pains. That's what you've been feeling. God's got to stretch you because you're the lid. You're the lid. So he's raising the lid. He's raising the level of your lives. He's raising you up so that others can go up with you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray for a brand new, fresh touch and anointing of God upon your lives. Not because of me. I have nothing to do with it. I'm a man. I'm a man. This is all you bought in a store. Symbol of the hand and the touch and the presence of God. It's now coming on your life in a brand new way. In a brand new way. Your thoughts are going to change. You're going to be awakened in the night. You're going to have dreams and visions, ma'am. And the voice and the, the word of the Lord is going to be in your mouth. And it will be celebrated, not tolerated, says the Spirit of the Lord. From this day forward, from this day forward, from this day forward. I tell you, sir, don't faint at the thought that you will stand before hundreds and hundreds of people. And I say to you that your children will stand before thousands. The blessing that I have placed upon your parents, both of your parents, the blessings upon your parents will be seen greater in your kids and in your grandkids than in any other generation before. This house is under divine assignment and divine appointment. And beginning today, a move of God in this region, it will happen simply. It will happen small, but it will grow like a swelling wave and you will rejoice in the crashing of those waves into this house. Now I say to you, may the Lord bless you and keep you.
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you. Give you peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.